Golf and rock and roll, not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway, don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going, we were all to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B., Putt, oh, world putt, putt of the century, Martin up Keimer. Down, up and down. He made a three on the par three. 17. That was the weirdest thing ever. I mean, it hit the ball hit the back of the bunker, it looked like, and kind of kicked out. Almost went in the water, and he's chunked his chip, and he makes a 25-foot or whatever. That was a great putt. How long's that fringe, that little ribbon of fringe, been around the island green? Haven't they let that grow up a little bit the last few years. It definitely saved him. Yes. Saved the golf tournament uh, yeah. for him anyway. And, you know, they showed a picture of Furick after he makes the putt, and he just shook his head. He knew it was over. He's going to make par on 18. You know what? Who hey, was our pick? That, Furick yeah, was our Furyk, pick. Yeah, uh, local favorite. You and I texted back and forth hoping that he was going to win. Hey, I like the uh, late night finish. I did, too. You know, there was barely enough light on the 18th green. If they didn't have that jumbotron there... I think they would have been carrying over till Monday. They wanted to get that thing done. They did not want to have to go back there on Monday. And, you know, jeez, uh, for them to get out back on the golf course, you know, it took 45 minutes to get to practice, you know, 45 minutes worth of rain. And that's the hardest thing to do after you've already played. You've been down. there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your back kind of freezes up, you know, uh, and it's just hard to get back into the, the movements. Um as uh, you can see, he both him and Spieth hooked it off the tee on their first, you know, when they went back out to resume play. So, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. I love the late night finish. Maybe they should go to the lights. The last few holes under the lights. Yeah, if, if, as if to make the, the 17th any tougher. But um, we're going to go to our main man who was there, wire to wire, as always, Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? I think if that putt hadn't hit the cup, it might have been over the backside of the green. What do you think? What a finish by Keimer. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, great for him. One of the one of the one of the really good guys in the game, and uh, uh, you know, really sort of underrated guy too. Who you know, people forget he was number one in the world, and he won a major, and uh, you know. It, uh, he, then he went through some tough times, and now he's back again. So it was, uh, you're right, it was a very, very uh, odd way that that 17th hole went down. Uh, but uh, it, was, it made for some pretty good drama as well. You know, I remember when, you know, he won in 2010 and watching him play it in the world match play and thinking, this guy's a machine. I mean, he could be, he could be racking up a whole bunch of majors. 
And, you know, you're absolutely right. He, you know, kind of fell fell off the radar, went and made some swing changes. I still don't understand when these guys are at the top of their game, they start dismantling their swing. But he was one of those guys. And um, also, you know, talked and shared, I thought, some, you know, very interesting personal observations about, uh, you know, just his his obligations back in Germany and just how, you know, he handled it all and that it came a little quickly. Yeah, I mean, the stuff about the swing, like, like you said, I think we all wonder, why would somebody who just want a major be messing around with their swing? And how many times have we seen that? You know, Padraig Harrington's a great example of that that comes to mind. Uh, you know, wins three majors in two years and starts messing with the swing. And, you know, Keimer tried to explain that, and I thought he did a good job of explaining it. He, he basically, you know, the following year, he's number one in the world, he's going to the Masters, and he had missed the cut at the Masters three times. He had never made it. And he really felt, you know, and Rich will be able to relate to this better than any of us probably, that, you know, he needed to be able to hit a draw. His shot's a fade. He didn't have a draw, and he started working on trying to hit a draw. And, you know, it kind of messed him up all the way around. I mean, he started having trouble hitting his patented fade. And, uh, you know, you go, well, why not just stick with what you got? But he, he made a great comment, I thought, last week. He said is, Look, he goes, when you play golf at this level and you stand on a tee and you and, and a shot requires that you hit a draw and you're not able to do it, you, you stand there and you say, I can't hit that shot? He goes, how are you supposed to survive playing golf at this level? He said, sure, you're going to win a few tournaments here and there. You're going to be decent on courses that suit you. But you need to be able to hit that shot if it requires it. And I thought it was a very interesting way to put it. I mean, uh and he was determined he was going to figure that out. And what was interesting was after he had that 17th hole where, you know, he almost let the tournament get away from him, he had to hit a draw on 18, and he hit a pretty nice one. Uh, now, of course, he didn't hit a great second shot, but the drive was the key shot there, and, um, you know, he pulled it off. And like you mentioned, too, the stuff about Germany, you know, really they've not had a, a lot of success in the game. Uh, Bernhard Langer is, is the man. And when he won that major, it, it all of a sudden uh, intensified for him. And uh, It was like they were passing he, the torch to him. Sure. And, and, and he's basically said, you know, there will never be another Langer. You know, to, to think that anybody's going to be like that, uh, it's just not, it's not realistic, you know. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. It was a great um, way to, to rebound and, and hang in there and, uh, you know, too bad for Jim Furyk. Furyk has really played well the last two weeks on the last day to come up one one shot short. Well, speaking of coming up short, of course, uh, the microscope on uh, Spieth after his not being able to get it done on Sunday. Amazing. Oh, bad news there, Rich, behind the glass. <laughs> hey, this guy, 54 holes, not a bogey. I mean, <clears throat> unbelievable i think you know we're all waiting for him to break through we know he's going to break through he's 20 years old but give us some sense of you know his reflections in the press room afterwards yeah you know it's uh this is a great debate about him right now um because he's he's had some chances this year and hasn't won uh but then again is a guy who's 20, supposed to be in the last group at the Masters and in the last group at the Players' Championship. And I think that's kind of a big ask. 
You know, I think it's incredible that he got there. Forget about winning. You know, um, if if he had turned pro 18 months ago, and you know, was have put together a couple of top tens here and there, easily got his card, um, all those things. Don't you think we'd be satisfied with where he's at? We'd be saying, wow, he's trending in the right direction. You know, he's been up there a few times. He's won a bunch of money. He's made the FedEx Cup playoffs, whatever. So why is it a negative that he gets that close and then he doesn't pull it off? I mean, I think I think it's far more impressive that he's gotten there and, and not been able to win than to not get there at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's almost a lock for the Ryder Cup team after being a pick for the President's Cup team last year. You know, two majors, he's been in the last group, well, a major and an almost major. I mean, I just think it's great. And, I, and you know, he's got a long time. I, I, I think it's uh, not right to put the pressure on him. And he basically was down on himself for not getting it done but also had the mature attitude like, look, I'm going to use this to grow from. I, I can take a lot of good things from this. What, what do you see on Sunday that, or, or has he seen uh, that he needs to take away from this to, you know, to break through and, and win? Well, I think, um, you know, in a very, you know, simplistic way, it seems to me that his swing gets a little quick under the gun like that and he's got a swing that requires some timing uh some timing issues you saw you saw several shots hit to the left uh you know that could be something that he's got a, a, an issue with in his swing that he's got to work on now granted he was beautiful there for what three and three days and four holes uh and uh had a short game that that bailed him out a couple of times uh, up to that point, or maybe we wouldn't be talking about it. I would also say that on Saturday, he gave himself a bunch of chances and didn't make any. He only had one birdie Saturday. So, uh, you know, that was sort of an opportunity missed. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think if, if you're, if, if he were so flawed, he wouldn't even be that close. You know, I, I think that's a thing he, him and his coach can work on that, uh, you know he's got to he's got to tighten that up and figure out a way to to deal with you know when his timing is a little off to deal with it and uh, you know he's got he's got plenty of time I think to to get that sorted out. Absolutely, and it's uh, an interesting point you bring up. I think it was Johnny Miller who was mentioning there were a couple of times when he you know hit those pulls that he did an extra waggle, um, so you know you could start to see him getting a little out of rhythm. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it could have been that. Uh, uh, you know, it looks like there's just a little bit of a delay at the top of his swing, um, and uh, you could see where the the timing would get a little bit off if you were if you were feeling the heat a little bit or a little bit nervous. And I mean, he admitted he was nervous. Of course, how could he not be? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think overall at this point, I got you got to give him some credit. I think for being there. You know, nobody other than Tiger has closed at that age. Nobody. You know, Tiger won two tournaments when he was 20. Uh, Spieth has won one at this point. Tiger also blew a 54-hole lead when he first turned pro. Uh, you know, it. Uh, uh, you know, he had some learning to go through as well. And uh, and, and actually, let's be honest: is it fair to compare anybody to Tiger? That's uh, it's just a different uh, animal there altogether. Amen on that one. Um... 
<clears throat> Interesting, uh, Rory McIlroy barely making the cut on Friday and then shooting 69-66 for another, as he called it, backdoor top 10. Uh, how do you see Rory trending as we're getting towards uh, Memorial in the Open? You know, I, I think you have to take some positives out of this. Uh, uh, TPC Sawgrass has not been a favorite venue of his. He's just, I mean, he's admitted that, it's an awkward course for him. He doesn't see the lines off the tees. He struggles. I mean, you know, the first three times he played there, he missed the cut. Uh, last year, he he finally got a top ten. He got another one this year in, in the weirdest sort of way. I mean, he dominated the back nine. You know he birdied 18 all four days. Yeah, I mean, and an amazing uh, finish uh, through the gauntlet, too, on Sunday. Right. And, and I believe he played the back nine, I want to say, with 17 under for the week. And that's that's four better than anyone ever, but he couldn't get through the front nine. And he had a 42 on the front nine on, uh, I believe it was Saturday, um, or, or no, no, not sorry, excuse me, on Friday. I mean, he just was, he just was, he just can't deal with the front nine. I mean, it's usually the other way around. Uh, so, um, you know, to actually to to actually be to do as well as he did when he was so poor on the front nine. Um, you know, maybe he'll figure that out next year. But uh, uh, I, I think, you know, there was there's a lot of great signs. He's got to eliminate these stretches where he's seemingly doing this, where he has this stretch of a double or a, you know, a double and a bogey, a, you know, like in, in three or four holes period, where he kind of shoots himself out of the tournament. And uh, but boy, he sure has done a lot of other good things. He's killing the ball off the tee, and uh, you know. I, I think he's getting closer again to, to winning a tournament. And, you know, another big test for him will be next week. He's he's playing the the, uh, the European Tour event at Wentworth, where he's never had much success. He just doesn't the golf course doesn't suit him very well. He struggled there. And let's see how he does again on a place where he's uncomfortable. I think if he has a decent week, that's a really good sign. Last question before we let you go. Speaking of shooting himself out of the tournament, Phil not making the cut. Um, what do you see there? Do you think Phil's uh, pressing a little bit as he as Pinehurst is coming into his radar, or where do you think his game's at? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that that is the reason why he's not played that well here this year. Um, I think he clearly would like to get into contention um, and, and find some form. Uh, I just think it's it's sort of been one thing after another, and I'm not sure we're being let in on everything. You know, he had a very good tournament the first week out in Abu Dhabi. He probably should have won. He had a triple bogey on the back nine and still lost the tournament by just one stroke. Then the very next week, he goes to uh, Torrey Pines and, and withdraws with a back problem. And he, you know, he kind of muddled his way through Phoenix and Pebble Beach. And then he missed the cut at the Honda uh, and had sort of, a, you know, an okay derail. Then he at uh, San Antonio he withdrew. Remember he had the oblique strain, and then he was okay in Houston and and really at the Masters where he missed the cut he had three bad holes. You know of course we can all point to that stuff. I mean really in three holes, um, I believe he was uh, eight over par. He had two triples and a double, and you know otherwise the rest of the time he was one under. So. He's just been having these difficulties, I think, getting over the injuries and then, 
You know, he's had some weird performances. It's Quail Hollow. He shoots 63, followed by 76. So, um, you know, he's going to play the two tournaments leading up to the U.S. Open, Memorial, Memphis. Uh, I'm, my guess is, is after a few days of decompressing, he's, he's going to get back after it at home and try to figure a few things out, especially with his putting. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of weeks coming up here, and I think uh, we're all we're all keeping our sights on Phil because if uh, there was ever some good synergy for him at a U.S. Open, it's Pinehurst, as we know. No doubt, it'd be a great story if he were in uh, in contention there. All right, Bob. Thanks so much, Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. Check him out online. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 7:40. The game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, other than our next guest. But Rich B., what you got? You got a giveaway. You got something yeah, for our loyal giveaway, listeners. Uh, Hunter's Creek. We got a foursome, a free foursome. So a pay attention. We'll be giving this away a little bit later on in the show. The comeback course of Southwest Orange County, Hunter's Creek. Place looks good. Hunter's Creek 2.0. Come on down there and check it out. It's a great layout. Always has been and always will. Well, uh, I've been trying to track this gentleman down for a few weeks he's a busy guy and you know when you read his resume um this is the kind of resume you want if you're thinking about being a future broadcast person former stand-up comedian former pga tour caddy now senior writer and video talent for espn.com we love him michael collins (laughs) i just can't even say that with a straight face Either can you, can't even listen to it. That's just the whole writer thing for a guy that failed high school English just makes me laugh. Like, I still type with two fingers. So I know any time that I get the title writer, the real writers that actually work on tour just shake their heads. But we just we just had Herrig on on before you, so uh, yeah, I, I I've seen him toss you a few uh, bad bananas in the press room, but yeah, um, you know, see, and listen, you know why it's been so long since I've been on? It's because I'm just hurt every time you come back from commercial. You always say you got the best caddy in the business with you, and I'm like, wait, what am I, chopped liver? I can read greens better than anybody. That is the truth. That is the truth. I get it. And uh, yeah, I somehow know- or another, she landed that little nickname on me, the best caddy on the planet. I don't know if she, it just rolls right off the tongue, but you know that's that's a poor thing. It's a sad thing that caddies have gone the way of uh, uh, CB radios or whatever. They're just not around anymore, man. And, and it's the a shame. Ones- yeah, the real ones, not not quite as much anymore. It's you know, it's kind of funny how things work out like that. But you know, it is what it is. There's still amazing caddies out there, but most of them are on tour. Like you just don't see them at golf courses anymore. But speaking uh, of which, Michael, that's the beauty of golf carts. I hey, guess. let's 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 go right to this, Mike. Uh, right. Spieth's caddy. Uh, you know, what is he like? Is is uh, is a psychologist around the uh, golf course? That yeah, chatter. You gotta love that yeah, chatter. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, there's something else all to listen caddies, to. All caddies are, 
are pseudo-psychologists on the golf course. They would actually be psychiatrists if they were allowed to give out medication. And <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when it's needed. But that's, that's part of the job of being a caddy. You know, there are some guys out there that need guys to talk more or that need to go through, you know, and a player and caddy will analyze all kinds of stuff. You look at Phil and Bones and how much talking the two of those guys do together on the golf course. And that just shows you, like, a relationship between a player and a caddy. Where you got a guy like Keegan and Pepsi, they don't talk nearly as much as what Jordan and, and Michael Greller, his caddy, do. But they don't need to. That's Keegan isn't the type of guy that you need to talk to all the time. Now, the one thing you don't see is Pepsi's big on he's big on pep talks. You know, um, Keegan can get down real easily on the golf course and frustrated. And Pepsi's always, nah, come on, keep it up, let's go, keep that energy up, stay positive, everything's going to be okay. And you know, things that seems to work. Other guys, they, you know, they play better when they're angry. You get a guy like Pat Perez. And when he gets mad, he plays great. So for every caddy, you can't – one way is not the right way. So a guy like Jordan Spieth might need someone like Michael on the bag where the two of them are actually – it sounds like, you know, and in some cases it's true, they're actually learning the golf course together during the tournament. But it works, and other guys don't need stuff like that. And then you've got Bubba's caddy who probably – Half the time knows that whatever he says, Bubba's going to do something completely different. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing. You know, me and Teddy, Bubba's caddy, we laugh about stuff like that all the time. People don't understand, like, that's a relationship, too, between Bubba and Teddy. And don't think that Teddy doesn't say stuff back to Bubba. Like, just because that was never caught on TV, don't think that that doesn't happen. Like, Bubba got absolutely just raked over the coals for, oh, how do you talk to a caddy like that? It's so bad and it's horrible. It's something that's a terrible thing to do. And we laugh because Bubba's not in the top 10, maybe not even in the top 20 of guys who treat caddies bad on the PGA Tour and on the golf course. And then the other funny thing is, there are guys out there that, even me as a caddy, I would never work for so-and-so. But off the golf course, yeah, I'll go out and have dinner and have a beer with the guy, and he's great to be around and whatnot. But on the golf course, I'd never work for that guy. So what you see on TV in a couple of seconds of a clip or on a hole where a player has something bad happen to him, not necessarily the whole truth or the whole story. And Teddy and I laugh about that. If you want to see a funny video that Teddy just put out himself with another caddy named Mark Karens, go on YouTube and YouTube Caddy Workout, C-A-D-D-Y, Caddy Workout, and they got three quick little videos out, and they're just real quick ones. The first two are absolutely hilarious, and I think I'm going to do like a full-blown production one of <laughs> something like this with these guys because it is hilarious. I love it. Well, I think sometimes, you know, you watch the caddies and – I think, man, uh, they they got to be as nervous, especially when sometimes, you know, they got to pull that right club, and there's no tougher spot than 17, the Island Green. I know you were there with doing some video, and, and also they had that great caddy event last Wednesday, but uh, oh, yeah. that's that's got to be one place where, uh, you know, <laughs> do or die when you pull that stick for your pro. 
it's funny though you you don't really feel nervous because you're so into the moment of where's the wind what how's my player hitting it today what's the situation that we are are we got a chance to win do we got a chance for a top 10 like you have to figure out how much adrenaline is this guy flowing right now so those things because you're trying to factor in all those things like uh, the wind might feel one way here at the tee box especially at 17 last week but you got to look at the flags like above there are tents there that have flags on top of them. so you look at what the flags are doing on top of the tent then you look at the flag over on 16 green then you look at the water and see what the ripples on the water are doing so you got an idea of how the wind swirls when it's there on 17 and in thinking of all that stuff and then how your player is feeling and how he's been hitting it you don't you don't really have time to to stop and go oh man you know what this means because you just you're in the zone just like your player yeah there's too much that you're trying to factor in and you know again with guys yelling at their caddies and stuff like that it's look long and short that has to do with the caddy left and right they ain't got nothing to do with the guy carrying the <laughs> i did not tell you to snap hook that seven iron left okay you did that all on your own brother <laughs> no doubt no doubt well michael what was your uh what were your main uh thoughts of this tpc and uh, keimer's finish and how it uh all went down between he and jordan speed there on sunday just a, a couple of minutes left I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Martin Keimer, I believe, truly is going to get back to number one in the world, and this time he's going to stay for a while. He's I mean, a stud. I love him. Yeah, and it's very rare that you get a golfer at his level not be afraid to just completely take it all off and bear himself and be that honest. That where he, yes, he was number one in the world before, but he didn't feel like he was number one because he didn't have all the shots. And then he went away. He became number one, win the PGA Championship, become number one in the world, and you just vanish because you, you want to learn how to hit a draw now. Now, most guys that try and do stuff like that, they're gone for good. And I mean, you never see these dudes ever again. Ian Baker now, Finch. Hello. Yes. I mean, there's plenty of dudes that have done stuff. You got Daniel Chopra's out on tour now. He went from hitting a draw to wanting to hit a fade. And didn't, it didn't work out nearly as well as what Keimer has done. I mean, you look at Parker McLaughlin, who still hasn't made it back on the tour. There's plenty of guys that are laying in the middle of streets after getting wins and now decide they need to change to up their game. Where Keimer, he did it and now is successful at it and is not afraid, as he said, you know, I don't mind being brave and not pulling the shot off because at least I was trying to be brave. Wow to be that honest. And he he said that on Friday. Yeah. So he's, he's, this guy is the real deal. And funny, really funny for, you know, Germans aren't known for their great sense of humor. <laughs> you don't see a lot of, not a whole lot oh. of stand-up comedians out there. Yeah, Michael's going to get a little fan mail from that one right there. <laughs> Come on now, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, Michael. Martin Timers, Martin Timers, he's really funny. He's really, really funny. He's got a dry sense of humor, but he's a great, a great kid, a great golfer, and a funny guy. Well, we know nobody stands up to you, the former stand-up comedian in that category, or your great reports on ESPN.com. And great writer. Michael Collins, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. I'm going to track you again for Memorial. Thanks, buddy.
I'll be around. Thanks for calling. We'll All right, 740 The Game. We've got a lot more TPC coming up. Stay with us. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. just make We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. And uh, we got some goodies tonight, Rich B. You got some... Hey, free foursome. Uh, we're going to be giving away tonight a one free foursome for you and Hunter's your buddies Creek. at Hunter's Creek. And if you want, you can check it out at uh, GolfHuntersCreek.com. How about for some of my girlfriends? Hey, anybody. This one's up for grabs. Now, we'll be giving it away in the next segment. But uh, what's the number to win? call? Yeah, oh yeah, we got a little phone number for you to call here. It's uh, 407-916-8255. That's to the Clear Channel Castle. Rich is here manning the phones this evening. 407-916-8255. And uh, that's for the free foursome. We'll be giving that away later in the segment. All right. So your impressions of TPC, Rich B., you know, I, I it had a whole lot of everything. I thought it had the drama. It had uh, rain. It had uh, delays. It finished in uh, late into the evening. Um, you know, I was surprised about Adam Scott. I mean, lots of talk about him taking over number one in the world rankings, uh, seventy-seven in the first round. Uh, I thought Sergio, he would have played Sergio. a lot better. Sergio can't finish at this golf course. Now he, uh, you know, he put together a few nice rounds. But uh, 70 on Sunday, uh, you know, at, at uh, TPC isn't going to get it done. Now, this kid, uh, uh, Rory shot 66. Jim Justin Furyk, Rose. Jim Furyk shot 66. Yeah, Justin Rose had some kind of an incident there uh, where the ball was oscillating or something, uh, ball at rest, you know. Uh, yeah, and they and they penalized him, but then they came back and took the penalty away under this new rule that I was not aware that they had put in place, but I think is a good rule about whether or not, you know, what you could see as a player versus somebody watching on HDTV. In other words, intent, you know, intent in terms of, you know, what you can see and what you can't see. And um, they, they gave him the penalty back, which yeah, was that's, kind of interesting. Yeah, Awkward. And, and then just... speaking of awkward, um, Furick, what hole was it? Seventeen, where he he was doing kind of a Keegan Bradley thing over his ball. Uh, he... Eighteen, uh, uh, the last putt. No, this before was before that. He 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 uh, looked at the ball, marked it, went back, looked at it, marked it, and you know Johnny Miller's brutal when these guys start doing this stuff. He's like, <laughs> putt the ball. But um, I, you know, I don't know. He made the putt. It was on 17. But it was a, uh, you know, he, he it was. Did. They blew the whistle on 18 as well, and uh, he had to go back out, you know, an hour and a half later and putt it. And it took him 20 minutes to do that. So I, I agree, you know, with the slow play. I mean, it's crazy. People just forget where they're at. I don't know. But you know, you know, on today's golf courses, man, you better be moving along. No dilly dallying around, or you're gonna uh, you're gonna really have some people upset. Well, it was interesting. One thing I noted was that um, 
uh, Keimer did, and I'm not sure who it was with, I don't know if it was Golf Channel or with um, one of the guys from NBC, but he did an interview during the delay. And I thought that was a little odd. I was thinking, you know, you got to go back out and play, focus, you know, go meditate in the locker room, do something. But he, I think, had kind of checked out and sort of talked himself into the fact that, you know, they weren't going to be playing the rest of the day. Now, I know you've been in that position a lot of times. He he did not. He had resigned himself yeah. to uh, uh, that, that, finishing the next day. Uh, yeah. And it's really hard to get started back up. You know, these guys are professionals, you know, and it takes them a while to get, uh, you know, turned around anyway, let's say, back onto the golf course. Well, it certainly did add to the drama, uh, like you need any more drama at the I Players' Championship. I but I, I, I thought it was a good golf tournament. Um, I think the, the course was in great shape considering that they had some issues and um, there were some concerns about a couple of the greens, some surprises with yeah. some of the guys that missed the cut. And we talked about Phil earlier, but, you know, Keegan Bradley and, um, you know, Two of the, the, the young guns, Patrick Reed and Harris English, uh, missing the cut. Jonas Blixt, uh, missing the cut on the Saturday cut, which, uh, we talked about off air that they also had a small cut on Saturday to yeah, limit the field. Up the field to, uh, move it along or make it go a little quicker. You know, Holly, and, uh, uh, that's a tough one right there. Uh, now we can go right to next week or this week here at the HP Byron Nelson. The boys are going to show up in uh, Texas. So, uh, yeah, a little home cooking for your boy, Jordan Speed. Yep, we're going to be keeping our eyes on Jordan for sure. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be giving away those tickets to Hunter's Creek. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740. The game, stay with us. We're going to be talking college golf up next. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back, the Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Let's give away some uh, golf here. Yeah. Let's do it. Hunter Street Golf Giveaway. Come on, Holly, what do you got? Caller number four for the foursome. Call in. Tell us why you love the Golf Insiders. And we've got a foursome for you and your buddies for this weekend. Number? Phone number, Rich? Any weekend. Yeah, the number here at the Clear Channel Castle, 407-916-8255. Call up say hey to Rich. He's got the uh, tickets, and he'll be giving them away. All right, we've got the NCAA championship a couple weeks away, Rich B., so we're going to turn the conversation to a little college golf for a few minutes here and bring in our college golf expert from Golf Week Magazine and GolfWeek.com, Lance Ringler. Hey, Lance. Am I the fourth caller? Hey. <laughs> we'll save an extra spot for you. No problem. 
Doing awesome.、Uh, where are you and、uh, what's happening out there in、uh, the NCAA regionals, men regionals right now? Well, I'm still at home. The regionals get started tomorrow. I'm going to be monitoring them from my home office because I'm headed out to the NCAA Women's Championship this weekend. Be on the road two straight weeks. So I figured I'd just catch all the regionals from, from home this year. Well, that makes sense. Well,、uh, give us a quick uh, uh, recap of the women's and、uh, where, where that stands right now. Well, they、uh, had their three regionals last week, and、uh, 24 teams advanced. No, no real big surprises.、Uh, you know, Duke, USC,、uh, UCLA, all the top teams won. I guess if there was a big surprise, Vanderbilt absolutely broke every record imaginable in winning the East Regional by about 14 shots and advanced out of the East. So Vanderbilt, coming off of an SEC championship and then an East Regional championship. Is going into the NCAA is looking pretty good. But,、uh, you know, the favorites, USC, UCLA, Duke, got to throw Vanderbilt in there. So it should be, should be a good championship out of Tulsa Country Club starting next week. Some great, some great future women golfers coming、uh, out, of, uh, out of those great schools, no doubt about it. And、yeah. it, turning to the men's, we were speaking a couple of weeks ago.、Um, we've got some,、uh, you know, Alabama number one, Georgia Tech, and Georgia number three. Stanford and then Oklahoma State.、Uh, give us a little glimpse of、uh, those teams and、um, some of the players we should be watching for. Yeah, all, all five of those teams are, are the number one seeds in their regional. There's six regionals, and、uh, those five are amongst the top seeds that all expect to get out. But、uh, play gets underway tomorrow, Holly, and、uh, it, it's one of the most nerve wracking weeks of the year for college golf on the men's side because. There's only 13 teams or 14 teams in each regional, and it's very, very nerve wracking because those regionals, only the top five teams get out. And, you, and some of them, you may be able to go down to 9, 10, or 11 as far as teams that can make it. So every shot counts, and、uh, you can't win a national championship if you're not there. And、uh, so this week is a big week for a lot of teams. There, there will certainly be some upsets because the parity in men's golf is very good. And there'll be some teams missed and some teams, some, some Cinderella stories. And, and、uh, so, you know, that's where we're at on the team side. Individually,、um, a lot of eyes on Patrick Rogers right now, the Stanford junior who has、uh, declared he will turn press professional as soon as the year's over. He's chasing Tiger Woods' individual win total at Stanford and、uh, a couple wins here to close the year, and he'll do it. So, a lot of eyes on that. And,、uh, You know, it's going it's to be exciting. It always is this time of year. And here's a guy that's got a name almost as difficult to spell as my last name, which is why I go by Holly G. Ollie Schneiderhands? Schneiderjans. Schneiderjans. I like that. Yeah. He, and he has been playing some really good golf. I think he's won his last three starts. Definitely two. And、uh, he's playing really well. And.、Uh, Well, Lance, I know you've、uh, watched a lot of the young guns on the PGA Tour come up you know, through、uh, the college ranks.、Um, Jordan Spieth, who is going to be playing at the,、um, at the tournament this weekend, it、Byron、will actually、Nelson. be his fourth time playing at the Byron Nelson. Hard to believe that he played that first when he was 16 years old. Yeah, I mean, we got familiar with Jordan. I mean, the diehard golf fans got familiar with Jordan really early.、Uh, he made some cuts as a real young, you know, as a teenager and、uh, went to Texas, had a good run, helped Texas win a national championship. 
went out on the on the PGA Tour and, and got his card right away. And, and, and is, you know, look what he's done. I mean, you know, if you didn't know him before the Masters, you definitely know him now. And uh, he's, he's certainly a guy a lot of people are starting to talk about being, you know, the next great thing. And it's funny how we always are so quick to, to want to name that next great golfer. I mean, you know, there was a guy named Roy McIlroy just a few years or two ago that we were all ready to hand the torch over to. But uh, there's a lot of good young players. Jordan's just another one in line, and uh, he's showing us how good these kids can be at such a young age. How about tell us a little bit about Harris English. Well, Harris comes from that crew of golfers in Georgia. Russell Henley, Harris English, Chris Kirk. Uh, that, those guys were all on the same team. Brian Harmon. Um, you know, and, and Harris is just a model of consistency. I mean, it just, it's just amazing, you know, to see these kids just a few years ago at the college level, and now they're out there competing on the world stage, and, and uh, they're, they're going to win a lot of tournaments. And, and Harris is one of those kids who's just a really, really good golfer, and he's proven it. Yeah, Russell Henley, another another really good stick. Um, what do, what do you see, Lance? I, you know, they talked a lot about it this year about these you know kids coming out and that they just got no fear. They come out feeling that they can win. Um, you know, and and you know you you, you see them uh, week to week. You know, right there and playing against you know Phil and the rest of the guys. Yeah, I'll try to make this short, but. Basically, what I think happened is when Tiger Woods got into the game, he made it cool. And uh, what happened was a lot of these kids, when they were, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, nine years old, they saw golf and they saw Tiger and they saw an athletic-looking guy make golf cool. And I think a lot of kids who, you know, maybe would have played baseball, basketball, football, whatever it may be, found golf. And, and, and they're asked to swing the club really hard at a young age. Uh, and they have to be because they, the, the kids are, are brought along so much quicker, and winning is such a big deal. And, and these kids, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. There's no fear, and they're ready. And what we used to see was maybe some fear, and they weren't ready. And that's why it took so long for guys to get out on the PGA Tour. It, it, it could have taken as much as five to ten years for a guy to get out of college to get to a situation where they were comfortable on the PGA Tour. And that's not, not just the case. That's not the case anymore because these guys are ready and they see their, they're now seeing their peers do it and they want to do it and, and they're preparing themselves so much better. So it, it's really, it's really a, a changed the game a lot in the last, you know, maybe five, ten years. Anybody we should be watching out there that we uh, don't have our eyes on yet, Lance, from your well, perspective? Well, certainly Patrick Rogers is one that we're going to have to, everyone's going to get to know probably pretty quickly. He, He's, like I said, he's turning pro uh, as soon as the NCAAs are over, and he's already made a cut and done well on a PGA Tour event last year at the John Deere, and uh, he's likely to be the player of the year in college golf, and he, he's probably going to lead this 2014 class you know, on to the next level. All right, Lance, thanks. It's great to get the perspective on the future stars in the NCAAs coming up uh, in two weeks. Great coverage always at GolfWeek.com. Lance Ringler, thanks so much. And uh, Rich B., our winner, Paul Bureau. Congratulations on uh, free foursome for free golf on your friends here at the Golf Insiders. Another uh, great week of golf coming up with the HP Byron Nelson in Texas, the Lone Star State. Go out and play some golf. Hit them straight. We love you. Bye-bye. Yeah, go.